We are going to continue on in our invitational um, series, um, which is what we started last week, which was our first gathering back. Mike's there. Um, and it really is just looking at um, the invitations or some invitations of Jesus uh, as um, to his, excuse me, to the people that he encountered and how those invitations um, can, can sort of, we can take those with us as ones that he as also extending to us. And, and the first one was um, last week, come to me. And we use the scripture in, in come to me. No, I'll, I'll just leave that. Um, and so what we wanted to do, was, or what I wanted to do is get Nali in up again. He was here last week. Um, but just to reiterate again, um, kind of where we are as Maharangi Vineyard. So practically, um, where, where we're at, and particularly in the area of, of youth. And I wanted that, and we're going to do that again next week as well, So because it's too important. It's, it's a really important thing that we all have to get in here, in here, and in here, and, and outwork through here. Um, and so, no. Awesome. Actually, just to touch quickly on the sitting in silence thing, I was sitting there and um, just had this sense... Um, and this is for everybody in the room, um, just had that sense of when you sort of close your eyes and, and I just, I kind of, it was just, it's hard to sort of explain, but almost like the entire room was cleared and it was just me in the room. Um, and what I felt like was that Jesus was saying, you and me. Uh, and I really believe that's for everybody and just felt like, uh, just to share that, that, uh, that it's you and him. Um, no one else in the room, not thinking about anybody else, I'm thinking about you. And when that's for everybody, it's a, it's a strange concept to, to think about, um, but, but that, is, that is for everybody here this morning. Cool, so um, last week uh, I had the opportunity to give everyone an update on where youth um, uh, was at. We talked about the incredible few years that we've, uh, that we've had, especially uh, last year and on the, back of, uh, on the back of COVID and lockdowns, just the, the fruit and the momentum um, they were able to, to uh, sort of pursue and, and um, the incredible sort of data and outcomes um, that, um, that we had with youth last year. So if you haven't had a chance, um, feel free to listen to that message um, last week. Um, we talked about how we were in pursuit of a youth pastor last year. We had someone lined up, didn't quite um, come through. Um, and so as part of uh, the new challenges that we face um, here at Mahirangi Vineyard Church for 2023, youth is one of those areas um, that uh, is, a, is a challenge for us. Um, and uh, what I want to be able to share is the heart behind why we do youth. And, and I can guarantee that if we gave everyone in this room an opportunity to actually get up and speak, everyone would have something. Everyone would have something to say. Everyone in this room would have something to say about what youth represents, what it means, and why it's important. There would not be one person in this room that thought that youth was a waste of time and a waste of resources. And so, in a similar way to preaching to the choir, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need to tell you why youth is important, but. Um, as part of representing the, the, the passion and the heart behind what we want here at Mahurangi Vineyard, um, that is, that is what, the opportunity that I'll get to share this morning. So you should have all received an email um, last week uh, with the job description of a youth pastor. If you haven't received that, um, please do come see me um, at the end of the service and we'll make sure that we've got your, your email um, on the list there. But it contains um, the job description that we'd love for you to share. 
part of the networking. We, we want someone that someone knows to come in and represent a youth pastor in a paid position to be able to, for, for that to be their focus. Up until now, it's all been like it's all been volunteered time and resources that we've given, and we've had a number of parents that have come and cooked. We've had another number of guest speakers that have come and shared, um, and we've had the uh, sort of four core people between um, Laura, Sam, Nikki, and myself in terms of frontlining and being in the trenches um, of the youth programs up until date. But a new season is, is coming for all of us, um, and so there is a, a next level of a need for a youth pastor to fill that role. And the biggest thing for us is that we wanted, we wanted it to be more than just a Sunday event. Uh, we wanted that connection and that relationship to be built between Sunday and Sunday. Hmm. I read this morning in a, an incredible uh, daily devotion um, as we sort of talk about this idea of challenges is that challenges are inconvenient. I mean, really. I mean, no one, no one really truly wants to face a tough challenge that's ahead of them, unless you're training for it, you know, unless you're training for a marathon or an ultimate athlete where you came eighth this year or last year, um, then, thank you, then, uh, you know, that, that, those are the challenges that you sort of pursue and, and you fight for and you train for. But when it comes to the challenges that are like, involve things of us that we weren't ready to give or aren't prepared to give or mm. require a willingness, those things are inconvenient. Um, and so the, in the devotion that I read this morning, what I read was that inconvenience is not in God's vocabulary. It's not in his dictionary. It's not a part of a sentence that he would speak. Inconvenience for him is opportunity. It's opportunity to speak Jesus. It's an opportunity to birth life. It's an opportunity to embrace a vision, get behind something and see God work. And so the heart behind what we're trying to do here at Mahalangi Vineyard Church, the youth here, is that the youth is the blood and vigor of every church. They may not have necessarily the wisdom. They may not follow, understand the right processes or procedures. It's chaotic, but they are the life and the vigor of the church. They are the next generation of believers. And in our community, and it's not just here at church, but in our community, there is largely lacking young adults. The schools in our area, they are the mission fields for our youth. Mm. Our youth are the best ones equipped to go into our schools and actually speak Jesus. Whether it's through kindness, whether it's through standing up for someone, whether it's through um, obedience, whether it's through looking for an opportunity to help that young person over there that no one else seems to like, or whether it's blatantly just being able to speak the name of Jesus. Hmm. And so we want to be able to equip our young people to go into that mission field in order to speak Jesus. In the Old Testament, you read time and time again, especially in the initial um, sort of first five um, books of the Bible, the, there's this sort of theme of share the stories. Tell, tell the family, tell the generations to come of the good things of the Lord. You build these monuments and these altars and these wells and they represent a story of what God has done. And so it's our, it's our duty, it's our 
privilege, it's our responsibility to share those stories with the young people in our church. Because the alternative is that when we don't share the stories, then they become forgotten. Youth group is not about the guest speakers, it's not about the food, the words we speak, the leaders or the fancy lights. Those things help to set a scene. Youth group is about an open invitation to be present together, to come and experience Jesus. It's more than a Sunday event, it's, it's a connection and a relationship that happens between the Sundays and the Sundays. I mentioned um, last week around a, uh, a, a bigger church who I know quite well. Um, I know the pastors there, uh, youth pastors there, and, and they had mentioned that uh, they had lost 50% of the youth during COVID when everything started to come back. Only 50% of the youth came back. And what they had realized was that they, it became an event. There was no depth in relationship. There was nothing happening between the Sunday and the Sunday. There was no sort of proactiveness around uh, relationship and building those connections. And what we found is that when, that, when challenges came, the, the sheep ran away. And so what they've done is that they've changed completely, just a whole 180 on how they do youth group to ensure that they are building deep connection with Jesus. Mm. And what I loved about our youth group is that when the dust settled after COVID, our numbers increased. Mm. And that is to the glory of God. And in some ways, it's, it, it, it does come part and parcel with, with being a smaller church, is that you, you know, it's harder to get lost in the crowd. So there are a few things there that are going our way, but glory to God mm. that our youth increased when the dust settled. Mm. And the other thing that I love about our youth is that, whether this is good or bad, but, but the, the, most of the youth that come to actually come to the youth group often don't even come to church. So either they don't come here or they go to another church. They're not even, they're not even part of the, the vineyard church. They go to another church, but they come to our youth group to be present, to hang out. And there are a few that don't even go to church at all. We've got the Presbyterian church. Most of their youth aren't even, aren't even churchgoers whatsoever. Troubled youth in our area that, have, that come along in, in that environment. Youth is so important in our community. Mm. I remember for me, in terms of my own experience on youth group, if we were to put on the board, uh, on the screen here, um, uh, like, a, like a family timeline of the, the history of the Preslin White family, um, firstly, the name Preslin White would um, only stop at one generation before me because we had a few changes going on there, but, <laughs> um, but it would be a clear divide on the trajectory and where life was going, and, and, and in terms of our relationship with God, God didn't exist in our family tree. God performed a miracle through adoption that I was adopted into a family that had Christian grandparents who forced me to go to youth. <laughs> uh, and it was their desire uh, that I would be in an environment where I could be safe, where I, could, where I could trust, where little old Niall who went to five different schools and got bullied along the way 
could be in an environment to know that if something went wrong, that I could speak to someone there. And I don't remember anything that anyone said at youth group. I don't remember, I hardly remember any of the games. I don't remember, I hardly remember any of the names. I don't necessarily have any friends that, that sort of have carried on from, from that time. But what I do remember was the feeling. I remember the feeling of being in an environment that was safe. I remember being in an environment of a feeling that, I don't even know you, but you love me. You care about me. You're willing to input into my life. That's the kind of thing that we're doing here and we want to continue and build the momentum on coming into 2023, but we need your help. We need you to spread the word. We need you to share the job description amongst your networking. I was so encouraged last week when we talked about it. We actually had, I think, maybe two or three new like, visitors coming in um, who, don't, who aren't even part of this local area who uh, said that they knew people that could potentially come in and, and fill that role. They're part of other churches in Auckland. And they want their names put in down. They want to be kept, kept in the loop around what's happening. I mean, it's exciting. Youth are exciting. And they're willing to embrace the inconvenience for because that inconvenience is an opportunity for Jesus to be present in our young generation and our next generation of believers that will rise up and be our next leaders here in Aotearoa. One of the scriptures that I mentioned just as I finish up here is Proverbs 21 verse 31 and it says, A man prepares for the day of battle, but it is the Lord who brings the victory. And that scripture just is for me, it's just gold for anything in life. It says that when we do our part in the possible, in the things that we can control, when we are faithful with those things, then we can truly rely on God to bring the outcome, to work in the realm of the impossible in order to bring about the outcome that we want. And it may look a little bit different than how we thought it would be, but nonetheless, we can have faith in God that he will do his part. And so our part, just to wrap up, is if you haven't got the job description or haven't yet shared it amongst your networking, please do that and please pray. Prayer is such a powerful uh, aspect to what we do in our Christian life. Please pray and pray some more. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, Noel. Um, yeah, definitely continue to do that. Um, and as you pray, if you feel like um, God has given you anything, we'd love to hear those. You know, sort of keep a journal. Um, Make sure, I'd love it to be the last thing you think about when you go to bed at night and one of the first things you think about when you wake up in the morning. Let's not be content, okay? Like, let's not be content with where we are. Let's, let's pray and ask God to move. It's, it's too important. Anyone? Yeah, yep. Cool. Very good. All right, so if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me, please. We're going to, I'm going to, I won't be late, I promise. What a, what a thing to promise. Um, we're going to go through and look once more at another one of the invitations. So last week we looked at Jesus' invitation in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy to bear, and, my bur- and the burden I give you is light. And I said again, and it, we're, it, it bears repeating again, what Jesus wasn't inviting us into as far as is an easy life. And, and many of us have probably heard, been sold a version of, of it that, that would kind of allude to that. Come to Jesus and everything will be sorted. That's not at all what he was talking about. What he was talking about, in, the, in a quote from Henry Nouwen says it best, is that God isn't a God who is distant or disinterested, but he's a God who is moved by our pain and he participates fully in the human struggle. That's what Jesus was inviting us into. Jesus, come to me is an invitation for us to bring the struggles that we all carry, that we all have, whether it's in our relationships, in our health, in our, in our work, in our finances, in, in every area, and to bring them to him and he will bear them with us. The, the, whole, the whole picture of, of my yoke is a... Is a agricultural, an old agricultural, horticultural kind of term. It's about two oxen where it was, or two oxen or a group of oxen coming together. It's that yoke, it's that big wooden thing that fits over their heads, on their necks, pulls them in together, and they pull together. I had the privilege of growing up in in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. I'll say that quietly. Hopefully none of my family here at me call it a privilege. But, um, But one of the things I did grow up seeing is the Amish. They were all around where I grew up and the farm behind us was an Amish farm and I can I can visually remember seeing big teams of draft horses pulling plows through the field like straining and stressing and as I was preparing I remember seeing it very occasionally because there there is a certain amount of animals fit on the teams is you would see like a carriage horse which is just like a like a small horse, well, like a racehorse. They were actually normally horses that didn't make in the race thing. And because there would have been something wrong with the draft horse, that they'd put a, they'd put a carriage horse in with these big draft horses just to kind of make up the numbers. But all the heavy pulling was being done by the draft horse. We are that carriage horse, and Jesus is the draft horse that's standing next to us. He's doing the heavy lifting. He's pulling. We're there because he wants us there. But it's him who pulls the work. It's he who does the heavy lifting. That's what the invitation is, to come alongside me. Like he's not going to take away our struggle, but he's going to meet us in that. And, and we have to believe, or the invitation is to believe, he's going to pull us through things we could never get on our own. At least that's what I hold on to. That's the review. So this morning, in 10 minutes left, um, turn to Mark chapter 1. So Jesus' first invitation is, come to me. The second, you would think, is, oh, you know, is there much difference? Is come, follow me. And there couldn't be a world of difference. You know, couldn't be more of a difference. Coming to Jesus is one thing, but following him, oh my word, is something more. And so Jesus says in, in or yeah, in Scripture says in, in Mark chapter 1, and we're going to start in 16, one day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee where he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing their nets into the water for they um, fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, 
follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. A little bit later on, very similar, in, along the same shore, um, he sees James and John, and the invitation again is, come, follow me. You can, you can pull that apart and say, Jesus was saying, so, so what you know, come let me influence what you know and take it to a whole nother level. They knew how to fish. Even, even that, I love, I love that it speaks of Jesus' willingness to speak our language, to meet us where we are, to encounter us in, in wherever we are, and to call us forward into something more. Again, if you read through, through Mark a little bit later, Jesus stops outside a booth of a tax collector. I hope you know the tax collector in Scripture are the lowest of the low. They're the worst. They've, they've sold out their own culture, their own legacy for the sake of money. And they're, and they're working with the enemy, the Roman Empire, the oppressors. And so Jesus looks, stops outside that and says, Matthew, Come, follow me. And Matthew gets up and he follows them. How about you? In our, in our less than 10 minutes left, all of us, many of us in this room have moments of where Jesus stopped. He looked at you, what you were doing, and he said, come, follow me. Bring those to mind. Where were you? What were you doing? What was his invitation what did it do to you? How many of us had no idea what we were getting ourselves in for? I think that's part of it. I think if we knew, maybe not. A um, bit like marriage. Oh. <laughs> Angela's not here, that's fine. She won't listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's better than you ever thought or imagined. For me... I, I can vividly remember being so fearful of the future. So fearful. I had this, anyway, just so fearful. And, and Jesus' invitation to me was, come, follow me, and I'll show you a life without fear and anxiety. Like, drop the nets. I'm on. You know, like, and it doesn't mean I've never been afraid or I haven't, but, but he's, he's pulled me through any fear or anxiety ever since. Like that's the invitation of Jesus. We all have those. If you don't, there is an invitation waiting for you this morning. Say yes to him. So come Come to Jesus is the first invitation. The second is come follow me. What he's saying is learn from me. Become like me. Do the things I did. Say the things I said. And, and the idea or, or the, the truth of that invitation to come follow me is that Jesus extends them to us and then the immediate part of our response. Remember I said last week the thing about invitation is it's just something that's put out there and each of us have the responsibility to, to either accept it or, or decline it. And so it is with come follow me. 
And many of us will know, if we've been around for any time, is Jesus' invitation for us to come follow him is one that is extended over and over and over again. And over and over and over again, we are presented with the powerful free will that God has intended for us to have is whether we accept it or we decline it. It's, it really is that, that important. I'm, I'm amazed, like I always find it really difficult when people present, present God or Jesus in a way that, 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 is, that is harsh or unkind or, or cruel to those who, who are, you know, sort of blissfully unaware of the way their life is going. Um, and yet when we look at Scripture, you know, correct me if I'm wrong later, um, but, but um, that it seems as though when Jesus chose to use very harsh or very stern or very direct, down-the-line, like, in-your-face words. It was, it was toward people who somehow felt they had received or were justified in their invitation of being where it's at, that they belonged, where, you know, like they had an invitation, they had a place at the table, but instead of extending that to others, they may went around actually trying to remind others why they weren't, they didn't have a place at the table, or they weren't good enough to be in the room. That's when Jesus chose to be harsh. And I think it's because that the invitation to discipleship, it, it is the most profound opportunity that has ever been given to humanity. That we get to work with, we get to partner with the work and the mission and the beauty of God the Father who works with, with Jesus the Son, who, who works alongside the Holy Spirit. We spoke about icons last year. There is a beautiful, beautiful icon of, of the Trinity, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's written in a way that the person who's standing looking at it is invited into it. And it's a powerful, non-verbal way of reminding us that as we are invited into to, to discipleship is an invitation into the work of God. We're invited into the Trinity, to the work of the kingdom. And what that is, is a putting to right, as N.T. Wright always calls it. God's kingdom is just God coming and putting the world to right. That's the mission of it. That, that we, are, we are on the side of the poor, of the marginalized, of those without a voice. That we, we are dedicating our life to, to the environment, that the planet is being put to right, and God is inviting us into the process of seeing that happen. That our society, that our economy, that the injustices of the rich being richer and richer and richer and the poor going further and further down. And FYI, we're all in the rich category. That relationally, that, that Jesus, that the, the God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are not okay with the relational brokenness that's all around us. That the sick and the desperate, 
We're invited to follow Jesus for their sake. In John, John chapter 12, oh, I've got half a minute left. It's not looking good. Um, I just want to read this. John, John chapter 12, verse 23. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. This is Jesus. And I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Verse 27, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray for the Father to save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. The invitation to follow Jesus is no little thing. It is an invitation to lose our life. And, and I guess in many ways, we, we are suffering a, a, a predominant gospel that didn't remind us of what the invitation to follow Jesus really was. That it wasn't that we're all going to be rich. It wasn't that we're all going to live an easy life. It wasn't that, that everything was going to go well with us. It was that God was going to be with us. And as we follow him, and as we surrender our life, as we die to ourselves, he will, we will find life like we never knew was possible. And for the first time, it's right that we're not all hooting and hollering because it's a weighty decision to follow Jesus. But it is God in his unfathomable grace that over and over and over again, as we follow him, re-invites us that once more again, like with our time, you know, the invitation is over and over and over again. No matter how many times we spent the night scrolling through, scrolling through social media, I'm being very self-revealing. Self, um, but, but God's invitation again is to us, is come away with me. Be still before me. No matter what we do with our time or, or our money, no matter how much we spend all of our resources on ourselves or on our own, own joy or our own pleasure or our own wants or desires, no matter how many times we do that, there is still an invitation for Jesus to come follow me. Let, you, let your money, let your resources reflect who I am to you. No matter what we do with our time, how much we spend it on, on doing the things that we want to do, whether we spend our whole life never thinking about anyone other than ourselves or even our immediate family, that we are constantly, graciously being invited to look up and to look around. 
No matter how, how, how foreign it may feel to think of someone other than ourselves, we are invited as to follow Jesus in a way where we, we live our life for others. And in doing so, we're presented with a life that we could never, that is better than we ever thought. I apologize, I've gone over time. Let's stand up. So this morning, if, you, if you've never given your life to, um, to Jesus, and in that he, um, that you've said, he said, come, follow me. One, I would love to pray with you this morning that, that he, in his wonderful timing, will, will stop, turn, look you in the eye, and tell you, come, follow me. That you're worthy of the invitation to come follow him. That no matter where you are, no matter what it is you've done, no matter what, who, how you see yourself or not, when Jesus looks at you, he sees someone who is worthy to be a disciple. Someone he wants to take hold of your life and take you places you would never, ever thought or imagined. And if you're here this morning and you have said yes to Jesus, but just the way life goes, you've kind of like, oh, forgot to open those invitations and you've kind of gone back and you're doing your own thing, and you're spending your money the way you want to spend your money, and you're spending your time the way you want to spend your time, and you're spending your energy on yourself and everything that you want to do, um, know that there is a loving, gracious invitation to turn back to Jesus with no condemnation, with no shame, with no guilt, just an incredible love for you. He loves you too much for you to keep living that way. That's what blows my mind about Jesus. So I'm going to pray. Um, I think in response, maybe if, if either one of those invitations are for you, maybe in your own time, in your own space, go through the practice of sitting somewhere in silence and allow Jesus to speak to you. So Jesus, we thank you for your invitation to one, come to you, to know what it is to have you come and pull alongside us, to make a way where we never thought possible, to do the heavy lifting, um, not, not with us watching from a distance, um, but being right alongside you. And thank you, Father, that your invitation isn't for us to just come to you, but it is to follow you. It is to be your disciple. It is to do the painful hard work of dying to ourself in order to live the way you lived, to give our life to you. And I pray, Father, that for each of us here today, you would, one, remind us of that initial call, but again, extend the invitation for today. And for those who have never, ever given their life to you, God, I pray that in the days ahead, in the moments ahead, in the hours ahead, you would encounter them 
in an incredibly special way where you look them in the eyes, you look them in the heart, and you tell them how much you love them and that you want their life. You want all of it. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, everyone. So next week we're going to go 